The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Great, thank you. Good to uh, be with you today and good to see the hall so full. It's really exciting just to uh, see what God is doing amongst you. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm not Kate, um, I'm uh, Steve Young, um, I'm part of the leadership team here um, and I actually lead the venue in Bex Hill, which is uh, why you don't necessarily see me on a Sunday. Um, but I'm going to be sharing the preach today uh, with Kate, um, uh, your point for embarrassment, Kate. I've known Kate for a good few years now and um, she is just such a faithful woman of God. It's great to be alongside her. You'll know perhaps that Kate oversees all of our children's work and uh, as I was thinking about and the effort she puts in, I, I think she probably loves your kids more than you do, you know. She just is always there, always passionate for them, passionate for them to know about Jesus and uh, why don't you just... Hey, you just stand for a minute. We're just going to give you a clap. She is amazing. And uh, it's nice to have the opportunity to uh, say those things sometimes. I hope you're enjoying the nutrient series that we've been going through over the last few weeks. Those truths of the gospel, those truths of grace, forgiveness, faith and thankfulness, letting them dwell in our hearts, work on the seedbed of our hearts, creating that environment for the gospel to take root afresh. And I know for myself, you know, I've, I've heard about grace for so many years and just uh, I was in a group actually with Lee over there and he just shared a, a truth about what he saw about grace in his life and I thought, I've never seen that before and uh, it's just been so good just to see how God has been speaking through this series. And today we're coming back and we've heard a lot about that theme of thankfulness. And uh, John spoke on thankfulness a few weeks ago. If you didn't hear that, go back and uh, hear that, uh, that view from John on what thankfulness is all about. But Paul, in his introduction to the series, talked about how if we're full of thankfulness, it fights bitterness and moaning in us how it keeps our hearts open, creating that seedbed for faith. And if our mouths are full of faithfulness, they're not full of negativity and other unhelpful things. Let me read you Psalm 95. It's a beautiful example, I think, of where the psalmist comes with thanksgiving to God. And that opens up for him whole areas of worship and seeing God afresh. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The height of the mountains are his also. The sea is hid for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, 
the sheep of his hand. I love how he ends there. He is our God and we're the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Thanksgiving puts us in the right relationship to God. We see who God is. We see God for who he is. Maybe if I dare say it, we see ourselves sometimes for who we are, the sheep of his pasture. And thanks, giving opens the door, as we see here, to praise and worship as we recognise God as the source of all the things that are good in our lives. The one who loves to bless us and do us good. As we come with thanksgivingness, we acknowledge our dependency on him, express our gratitude for all he's done, for his presence in our lives. And I know, and we'll touch on it some more, that sometimes life circumstances, the events of our lives can be so difficult. Things don't always go well. But if we're followers of Jesus, we can always be grateful in the midst of it all, God comes to us and gives us his unconditional love, his acceptance. There are so many reasons for us as the people of God to be thankful. Firstly, of course, we've got salvation itself. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The root of our gratitude to God is in his love for us, shown in giving us Jesus. Salvation, when we could not help ourselves, is absolutely nothing to do with how good you are, how hard you try, because whilst you were full of sin, God reached out to you and drew you to himself. If that doesn't cause thankfulness to rise, I don't know what does. God offers us peace with him, joy for every day, a conscience made clean, life in all its fullness. And the Bible tells us too that when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed that death was now defeated. We mourn, of course we do, because Jackie's died, she's not with us and we're sad but we can remember such a faithful woman of God and we're confident we know where she is now. We can thank God for the certainty that she is now with Jesus. So in the midst of that, we still have hope. We can still find thankfulness. And there is that promise for all of us who follow Jesus that we will have eternity with God in heaven, life forevermore in his presence a new heaven, a new earth. No more aches and pains. I'm getting to the age where I'd be glad about that. No more pain, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more crying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But there's more. His presence with us. It isn't just hope for when we die. God says that as we open our lives to him, he walks with us. Every step of the way, I will never leave you or forsake you. He promises to you. His Holy Spirit inside us, prompting us, leading us, helping us to glorify God in every aspect of our lives. As we walk with him, there's no room for fear 
or anxiety. If God is for us, who can be against us? And there's more. And there's more. We are adopted into God's family, sons and daughters, chosen, loved and accepted. You know this, but you need to be getting excited about it, working out the reality in your lives. Sometimes I know we even can struggle to accept ourselves, but God says he loves us unconditionally. He says, come close. The sin that separated us is dealt with. As children of God, we have an inherit, eternal inheritance with God, never spoiling, never fading. You know, today we should be the most thankful people. We've so much to be grateful to God for. But of course, that's not to say that everything in our lives is always wonderful. Tom, you're going to cheer me on. Remember to cheer me on every now and then. Thanks, Tom. We live in a sinful, fallen world. We're not everything. is as God intended. Sometimes we even contribute to our own mess by our own actions and sin. But I know that for many of you, life can be really difficult and challenging. And I don't want to overlook or be blind to those things. But as we've heard, God says he will be close to you in those circumstances. And you know what? If we seek him, sometimes it's even in those difficult circumstances that actually we draw closer to him as we become more dependent on him. I can't do it without you, God. And you know what God says? He's working with you even in those difficult things. All the, oh, it's such a hard verse, isn't it? All things work together for good for those who love him. But actually God is at work in every one of those circumstances. We need to try and see what God is doing. Sometimes it takes time when we're in the middle of it. Sometimes it's hard to even just lift our eyes. Sometimes I like to think of it only in the rear view mirror as we go on, we see that what God has been doing. And I know that sometimes all we can say is, thank you, Jesus, for being with me in these circumstances. I wonder whether your life feels pressurised and difficult. Maybe you've got impossible job, demanding responsibilities. But sometimes we just need to lift our eyes a little bit. We can so easily focus on ourselves and become a bit self-centred. It's not great for me. The spirit of this age tells us, well, just don't do it. But actually what we need is what God gives us, a spirit of service, of self-sacrifice. We need to lift our eyes. Teacher, that job is so demanding. But the opportunities you've got to have input to those children's lives. Carer, all those shifts, all those long nights. It's difficult, isn't it? But what an opportunity to have input into the life of the people that you're caring for. Builder, physically working hard, long hours, out all weathers. But actually, 
You're creating homes for people to live in, places of security. Stay-at-home mum, goodness me. We had the grandchildren over half term. I wouldn't be a stay-at-home mum, I don't think. But you get to shape your kids 24-7. It's amazing. I can go on with so many examples. But sometimes I think we need to lift our eyes off ourselves and see what God is doing through us. It's one little example, I guess, a bit personal for me, but over COVID, my daughter has been very, well, she's had breast cancer, so she's had to have horrible operations and, you know, live with the uncertainty and, to be honest, you always live with a bit of uncertainty. Do I thank God for her illness? Of course I don't. Of course I don't. I hate it, really. But I'm just so grateful to God that through it all, he's drawn close to her, that he's walked beside her and been doing things in her family that have been amazing. She's been able to find her strength in him, even in those difficult times, even in stuff that's horrible, that you desperately wish wasn't there. There are reasons to thank God, to find faith and hope. As we said earlier, when we're thankful to God, it puts us in right relationship with him. And in many ways, I think, prepares us to receive more from God. Practically in my own life, I remember a time, this was probably about 25 years ago now. And at the time, life was really busy. I had four children who were quite demanding. I was commuting to London, so, you know, leaving home before seven. You get home sometime after seven, sort of kiss the kids on their forehead as they're going to sleep, trying to get out to a church meeting as well. To be honest, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself. Life was hard. It felt like a drudge and I was feeling a bit tired and weary. And we had a 242 meeting here. It was, well, not here, but in the other building, And uh, we were just encouraged to be thankful to God for the circumstances of our lives. And for me, I don't know, it was an evening I was for it, I pressed in, I found things to be thankful for in my life, even in the midst of the difficulties. And we were declaring them out. And for me, it was just such a powerful time. I remember that evening now, you know, like 25 Years later, it broke something in me. It changed my life, lifted a weight, caused me to have a new thankful heart. And this is just really a plug, actually. This Wednesday, 2nd of November, uh, John mentioned it, where we're going to have a one church meeting here, 7.30 in the evening. And Kate and I and John are going to be leading to that. It's an opportunity when we're going to look to find thankfulness in God. You know what, I believe that for some of you, this could be a place of breakthrough that could change your life. If life feels tough, if it's all a drudge, you just feel weary, come along on Wednesday. I can't guarantee we'll change your life, but I'm going to pray that we do. So I hope to see you Wednesday evening. But you don't have to wait till Wednesday. There's more today. Kate is going to come up now.
Kate's our star act today. And uh, sorry, Kate, shouldn't say that. But she's going to look at the response of Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she knew she was pregnant with Jesus. Even in unexpected, what were difficult circumstances for her, she found a place of thanksgivingness. I don't really know whether to say thank you to Steve or not after that. (laughs) Anyway, that is my opening line, so thank you, Steve. Um, So that was really helpful, wasn't it? Such a good framework on thankfulness, thanksgiving, for us to think about. Um, So as Steve said, I can't help giving this a bit of a plug. Um, I am the Children and Families Lead, and I can honestly say on behalf of everyone who works in the kids' team that it is an utter privilege to spend time with your children. I was preparing this and I was thinking your children and I thought, you know what, they're our children, every one of us. They're part of us, aren't they? They're our family. But it is a real honour to spend time with them. They are huge fun and they are a real credit to all of you parents and carers. So we are really thrilled when we see them grow in their understanding of God, when they begin to just get those glimpses of that Jesus loves them that he's died to save them. Last Sunday was a particular highlight when five of our kids in the seven to 10 year old age group just behind us gave their lives to Jesus for for the first time, just this genuine heartfelt. Thank you, Jesus. Genuine, you know, now and again, just give that call for salvation, come and follow me. And you can see the penny drop And there's this genuine stepping out in faith. It is wonderful. I wish we could kind of share those moments with all of you. So there's there's lots that they'll be giving thanks to God for today in the group back there because they'll be celebrating. They're having a Thanksgiving party. So my usual Sunday spot is with the kids. So please bear with me as I talk to all of you adults. So when I was asked to to speak um, about Thanksgiving and join Steve and John on this kind of adventure, it's been really wonderful, actually. This is the worst part but it's been really fantastic spending time just thinking about these different things. And, and, and my immediate thoughts when I was asked to, to share a little bit was kind of on the people of the Bible who gave thanks, so many of them through their lives. But there was one in particular that God highlighted to me, and that's Mary. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a case study on Mary. Um, we're going on a journey with her, the mother of Jesus. And the story can be found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We'll be picking it up from verse 28. So if you're following in your Bibles, the first part, I don't think it's going to come up behind me, but the important one, the Magnificat, the glorious Thanksgiving song is going to come up in a little while. So let's just have a little look at her. She was an ordinary, very young person with an open heart of faith. She knew her scriptures because her life was lived in the light of God's word as her Jewish Um, other peers would have been. Steve referred to thankfulness as a way of keeping our hearts open and creating that seedbed of faith. So Mary certainly had a nutrient-rich seedbed of faith. She wasn't a superhero. She wasn't anything special. She was just obedient. She, She knew the word of God. And from her early days as a young Jewish child, she would have learned about the history of her people. She would have recited those key verses, committing them to memory. And that's something I know that many of you at home, parents and carers, do with your children. And it's something that's really key to what we do with the kids. So you might find them repeating some of the things that they're learning. 
Mary's life was rooted in the promises of God. And this is the bit where I get really excited. She knew the messianic promises. And if, if you are ever struggling in your faith, I encourage you to go back and look just factually at the promises of God written in the Bible. You know, look at the whole idea of where they were discovered, what time they were written, the prophetic words of centuries, centuries before they came to be, and the accurate descriptions. They are mind-blowing. So she would have known that one day a wonderful counsellor would come from the nation of Israel because the messianic promises were written on her heart. She knew the verses of Isaiah 9 verse 6, written 700 years before that God had promised he would send his own wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Did she ever think that she would be the one who'd bring him into the world? I don't think so. Um, but that's what happened, isn't it? As we look at her response to the life-changing, heaven-sent calling, we'll see it never would have crossed her mind. She just quietly and faithfully lived her life alongside her neighbours, family, friends, under Roman occupation, which rings a bell these days, but trusting daily in the hope of God's promises. So as we look at the passage in Luke chapter 1, we see Mary's response to the sudden appearance of the angel Gabriel in her room was initially questioning, well, I think mine would have been as well. Imagine the thoughts running through her head as she hears the angel Gabriel's words in verse 28, Greetings you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And on seeing Mary's fear, he continues, Oh, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Well, her first response is one of astonishment and a very practical question. Well, how, how can that be? Mary asked her, because since I'm a virgin. At this point, Mary's response could have been extremely different. He was a teenager. So Jewish girls at that time generally were married at 16. So it's thought that Mary was around the age of 15 when the angel Gabriel announced that message to her and 16 when she gave birth to Jesus. She was poor. She lived in a small hill town, Nazareth, in the hill, hill country of Galilee. She was unmarried at the time, engaged to a young carpenter, Joseph, but unmarried. The repercussions for herself, for him, for her families the neighbours, the wider community would have been immense. Well, I know what my response would have been, sheer and utter panic. What would people say? What would they think of me? What about my husband-to-be? We knew Mary was afraid because it says so. Well, she was human and she may well have been panicking too, but her eyes were on God. She was drawing on that seed bed of faith. She did, however, need further confirmation to be convinced. After all, I think you wouldn't, you and I would, wouldn't you? So in verses 35 to 36, 
The angel goes on to tell her more about this earth-shattering news that the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And by way of Holy Spirit confirmation, he proceeds to tell Mary that her cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age, even though she's unable to conceive, because no word of God will ever fail. And in this one short passage, we have the Word and the Spirit beautifully aligned to bring truth and confirmation to Mary. But a visit to her cousin Elizabeth was a significant Holy Spirit moment that she needed as a human being. Mary was indeed expecting a child who would be the Son of God, and the confirmations just come rolling in as Elizabeth's Mary leaps in her womb at that, at the, as they first hug and see each other. God knew that the encouraging faith and affirmation of that older woman was what Mary needed to prepare her for the role ahead. And now the overflow of thanksgiving just begins. An overflow of beautiful praise and worship that just expresses her wonder and thankfulness that God should ever consider her to play the role of this immense responsibility as part of his plan to save the world. So we're going to read that. And by the way, this is called the Magnificat in Latin, Magnificat, that this means that this song magnifies Jesus, magnifies God. And isn't that something beautiful? Isn't that, that is something I aspire to do, to magnify Jesus through my life and my thankfulness. So here it goes. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, because he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For who, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary understands and she steps up in thanksgiving to the responsibility that's placed on her in this beautiful song of thanks and worship. And notice how she draws on that seed bed of faith throughout the song, referring to God's might his mercy towards those who fear him, his strength and provision to those in need. So thanksgiving flows from that seed bed of faith. And how do we grow in faith and the knowledge and experience of God's love? We spend time with Jesus. And that is on repeat in kids' work at the moment. So as I was preparing for today, I felt God highlight to me the need for giving thanks to him in our responsibilities. And that's something that Steve's already spoken about. Each and every one of us has responsibilities and so often we get overwhelmed by them. I know the pressures of feeling pulled in different directions with elderly parents to look out for, young grandchildren to care for, while nursery fees remain unaffordable for so many parents. I'm married to a head teacher, 
so I understand what responsibilities education brings. But it might be that you're called to look out for an elderly neighbour or a lonely friend. And Steve's already talked about the immense responsibility of caring for young children and trying to do it well. Or maybe you're guiding and supporting teenage children through, you know, those difficult years. Maybe you are a nurse, a doctor or a GP, weighed down by systems that are out of control and a workload that's just too heavy. There are so many areas in which God gives us responsibility. And it's really important we find that place of knowing God with us in and through the challenges. Because we are called as Christians to play our part in whatever it is that we do, just as Mary did. So each responsibility we face is unique to us and we bear that in different ways. But we all have access to the same God as Mary. We all have Christ in us. And I was kind of, I was just being thinking and worshipping my way through this whole thing. And I was singing that song, Christ in me. And I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, Mary, she had Christ in her physically. But there came a point in her life where she had to bow the knee to the adult Jesus that thought her and be and acknowledge that he was her Lord and saviour. So we're just going to pause for a moment and reflect on that. There came a moment when Mary still had to accept her own son, Jesus, as Lord of her life. And she would need to know him close by her with all the responsibilities she had to bear ahead. So what is our response when God speaks to us about responsibilities? Do we respond from thankful hearts that are rooted in the promises of God and that nutrient-rich seedbed of faith? God is looking for people who accept their responsibilities with lives that are well dug into his word and hearts that are just ready to give thanks. He never expected you to carry your responsibilities alone. Like Mary, his promise is to equip you with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's an awful lot to take on board this morning, and I know God really wants to meet with us. A phrase that we use with the children is, are you ready for the next God venture? So I'm asking us all, are we ready for the next God venture?